It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN as we take a look at some of the stories that we'll be bringing you over the next couple hours here on the Rural Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining us. Jason Jorgensen, Bob Brogan, and Susan Littlefield all here to get us the information. And let's begin with Susan. Good morning, Susan. Well, good morning to you. A sunny day on the eastern half of the state. Yeah, it is. Maybe uh, maybe you guys might get a little... If you're getting any rain there, it looks like it might be headed your direction. Not as of yet. They're saying by Friday it'll be a definite alert type of day. And of course, because we have Platte County Fair this week, so it's going to be hot. Sure. It's going to be cold. It's going to be storms. It's everything. It always happens during fair time. Well, that's that's right. So it's you guys brought it on. <laughs> yeah, blame it all on the blame it all on the 4-H and FFAers. There you go. What do you got for us? Well, I'll kick everything off here at twelve nineteen as we talk about some of the most interesting scams in Nebraska. We're going to hear from the Assistant Attorney General Phil Carlson as he talks about it. Then at twelve forty five, the Nebraska startup is revo- uh, revo- I can't even talk today. A traditional livestock fencing world and virtual fencing technologies. We're going to talk about all that's happening with that. We'll hear more about that. From Bryce, and then wrapping it all up at 117 will be Alex as we hear about the Wacy Day. It's a 2021 Nebraska All Around Champion Cowgirl is preparing to compete in the National High School Finals Rodeo. So we'll hear more from Wacy Day coming up at 117 with Alex. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Susan. Thank you. We'll turn it over to sports now. Probably not going to start it up, Jason, with uh, Joey Chestnut winning his 14th. No. Okay. Uh, That that ship has sailed, but congratulations (laughs) to him. That was a gutty effort. They've come through. Gutty. Well well played. Well played. Uh, We're going to hear from uh, former Husker volleyball star Jordan Larson, who is headed to the Olympics for a third time to represent our country. Of course, she will be joined by a couple of other uh, former Huskers. Justine Wong-Arantis and Kelsey Robinson will also be on Team USA. But very impressive of Jordan. Just shows the longevity of her career to make it three times. And she's just not hopping on, I mean, coattails here. I mean, she'll be a big part of yeah. Team USA. Probably not of a lot of other people that can say they have done No, that. especially in a sport like this. I'll never forget seeing her at the state volleyball tournament, just how dominant she was at that time. I don't think she was even a senior then. Really? And what, what a career. What a career out of her. Also, one of the good guys in college football passed away yesterday. Former UCLA coach Terry Donahue died of cancer. Mm. He was 77. Had a great run with the Bruins and then had a pretty good broadcasting career. Folks, remember, he paired up with Jim Nance. They were the two announcers when Nebraska destroyed Florida that night of the Fiesta Bowl when the Huskers repeated as national champs. That was Terry Donahue on the call. You're right. One of the good guys. Mm-hmm. I, I always, I always kind of rooted for him. So, yeah, that's too bad. Thanks, mm-hmm. Jason. Let's turn it over to Bob Rogan in here now. And it looks like stocks down today, Bob. Yes, uh, stocks are down a little bit. Uh, trading uh, resumed after the Independence Day holiday. Oil price is pulling back just a bit after uh, after jumping when talks among members of the OPEC. A cartel and allied oil-producing countries broke off in the midst of a standoff with the United Arab Emirates over production levels. Growth in the services sector, meanwhile, slowed in June. Those All right. Some of the news stories or business stories we're watching. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. .com.
Everywhere you turn, there are scams taking place. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I spoke with Phil Carlson. He is an assistant attorney general for the Nebraska Attorney General's office as we talk about scams in Nebraska. So the the number one scam we see in Nebraska is the imposter scam, uh, where somebody, uh, you know, the, the typical example of an imposter scam is somebody calls uh, an elderly individual up, um, says they're the grandchild or they have information on the grandchild who is then, uh, they say that the grandchild's in trouble, they're in jail somewhere, they need some money to bond out. Uh, so we see that a lot where they, they they are pretending to be a grandchild. We see um, romance scams also fall into this category where um, somebody pretends to start a relationship with uh, with their target in, in an effort to secure financial financial means from them. So those, that's the top one that we've seen for 2020. We also see a lot of identity theft. We see a lot of scams in the home repair and improvement areas, um, auto complaints, healthcare, um, all the way down the line. Our top 10 list is actually on the website, and you can kind of check that out and see what's there, along with related information below the scam list about what sort of things to be on the lookout for those. It seems that folks get more and more creative when it comes they to trying do. to scam people. Yeah, they do. They really do. Um, and, and unfortunately, the technology really moves at such a pace that, that they can use the technology to their benefit. And, and um, we're left kind of playing catch up sometimes. Um, but the creativity is definitely there. Any of the scams that are that are on your list kind of catch you by surprise, even though you work with this stuff every day? No, not really. You know, I, I've, uh, I've been doing this for quite some time. Um, here in, in South Dakota before this. And, and these are kind of the top 10 we've had for the past several years. Just they, you know, the order gets mixed around a little bit. Sometimes they'll push one area over another. So it's kind of kind of the typical list of things. Uh, as technology changes, as, as, we, as we play whack-a-mole in the enforcement arena, sometimes the order will change up. Uh, if, we, if we can really knock one down, maybe it'll fall from one down to, to five or six. Um, something else just kind of takes its place the next time. So unfortunately, no, no real surprises, just different ways they're, they're doing the scams. Can we file a complaint or report a scam when it comes to our phones? Yeah, absolutely you can. We have, uh, we have the ability on the Nebraska Consumer Protection website to file a complaint. The website is protectthegoodlife.nebraska.gov. And if you go to that website, you can scroll down to, uh, to a nice little button that allows you to file a complaint. Um, there's a phone number at the bottom of the screen that you can call if you want to talk to somebody as well. Uh, so you can absolutely file a complaint with our office. So how do we protect ourselves when it comes to, to these scams? So it depends on the type of scam that, that you're facing, right? If if you're getting a phone call from somebody and you think it's a scam, best thing you can do is just not answer the phone. Just let it let it go. You know, if, it, if my my thought is, if if I'm not answering the phone, if I if I get a call from some number that I don't recognize, I don't answer the phone. If it's important, they'll leave a message. Um, and if it's if it's a scam and they leave a message, usually you can tell they're gonna they're gonna be asking for money. They're gonna be saying that they're you know with a warranty company or something like that. Some good advice from Phil Carlson, the Assistant Attorney General for the state of Nebraska. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network.
Happy Bombsburger. 1224, got some rain in the area coming towards Lexington. We'll see if we get it. Jason Jorgensen in here now, talking a little bit of sports. And, uh, you know, we, we mentioned this during the roundtable that Jordan Larson has had quite a volleyball career. She's going to have lots of stories to tell. She about. should, and three time uh, Olympian. She's back on the U.S. Olympic team this summer as they get set to uh, head to Tokyo. Uh, this summer, she was picked along with a couple of other Huskers, and she says that's a neat angle to this year's games. Knowing also, too, that you have, like, the state of Nebraska behind you, like, it's something that, you know, you try to, uh, like, tell these other girls that maybe don't go, haven't gone to Nebraska or, you know, yeah, went to school there, you know, it's hard for them to relate, but it's really something special. When- what a career she's had. She helped the U.S. win the silver medal in 2012, a bronze in 2016, and she was on the USA team that won the world championships in 2014. NBA Finals get heated up tonight in Phoenix, where the Suns will host the Milwaukee Bucks. These two teams and franchises and fan bases have endured some long waits. They came into the NBA together in 1968, but have managed to win just one championship between them. They've combined for only one trip to the finals since the mid-70s. Milwaukee hasn't made the finals since 1974, when I believe Kareem was still playing for them. Uh, Some old-timers might have to correct me on that. Suns have never won a title, even though they had that great team back in the 90s. That was stopped by Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Was that was Kevin Charles? Johnson? Oh. Yeah, Charles Barkley, good old Tom Chambers, oh, Richard Tom Dumas, terrific. yeah, Mark West. That was basketball. Oh, but uh, we'll see how it works out tonight in Game One. I'm no expert on the NBA anymore. From what I've seen though in the playoffs. I have to like Phoenix's chances in this series. And I just checked Google. Kareem was on that 1974 team along with Tommy Heinsohn, who was the coach, actually. Okay, so that's good instant history, thanks to Google. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Angels two-way phenom Mr. Otani takes the mound against the Red Sox tonight. It's his first start since being named an all-star on both sides of the ball. Just, Just think of that. Has that ever... I mean, Babe, you, you know, you'd have to go way back to somebody you'd like You'd have babe. to go way back on that. That's pretty awesome. He plans to participate in next week's home run derby. Already has 31 home runs. Then he'll pitch and hit the All-Star game, meaning he likely will. This will be his last turn pitching for Los Angeles before the break. But still, wow. what a year and what a talent he is. A lot of people bemoan the fact he's playing for the Angels. Yeah. If he was if he was anywhere else, just about, he would he would be... Day to day. We'll see what kind of a show he puts on in Denver. Mm. And some bad news here. Former UCLA football coach and 49ers general manager Terry Donahue passed away this week following a two-year battle with cancer. He was 77. He is still UCLA's all-time winningest football coach with 151. He was the first person to ever appear in a Rose Bowl game as a player, assistant coach, and head coach. The Bruins won or shared five league titles under him. After retiring from coaching, he had a pretty good stint as a broadcaster working at CBS Fox and the NFL Network. He brought some really nice UCLA teams into Lincoln, lost to the Huskers, and they got payback with Troy Aikman and company when they ran over the Huskers in that matchup. But, you know, he always handled all of that with so much grace. And when he ended up doing color commentary, he had so much respect for the Nebraska program. It was pretty cool. Yep, and he had some good battles there with uh, Tom Osborne. But rest in peace, Terry Donahue. That is a look at sports. For more, you can find it anytime at krvn.com. All right, thank you so much.
Com. All right, it is 12.31. Time for us to take a look at news. Dave Schroeder's in here with us. Hello, Dave. How are you? Well, doing good, thank you. You bet. Uh, Fortunately, uh, pouring the water on out there on those crops uh, these days. I think it's just going to keep going like that. Well, I hope so. You know, what we're seeing, we're seeing a little bit of a some a, a kind of a thin line of storms going on right now but it's thin you know mm-hmm. nothing can seem to be real organized so far this year so hopefully we we just i just talked to some folks in gothenburg they're getting a downpour hopefully it'll all Hit right. A lot of folks. You Hit a lot bet. Of folks. Absolutely. Well, let's continue on here in the news. The Office of Inspector General for Corrections in Nebraska is raising concerns about ongoing and expanding staffing emergencies at our state's prisons. Danielle Conrad with the ACLU of Nebraska says that report underscores the legislators were right to hit the pause button on a proposal to build a $230 million new prison. She says Nebraska leaders have no plan for staffing the existing state prison system, let alone a new facility that would amount to one of the largest state earmarks in taxpayer history. That staffing crisis has been expanded to other facilities. Governor Ricketts and Director Frakes have never answered the question about how to staff this massive new prison, which wouldn't even solve our overcrowding problems. Well, uh, Conrad says that uh, Nebraska's tough on crime and war on drugs mentality and adopt smart justice approaches uh, is an opportunity for uh, the Nebraskans to consider at this time. She says uh, recent polling shows that across party lines, Nebraska voters do not want a new massive prison. They want smart reforms. They want smart investments. They want us to build up access to treatment and mental health and problem solving and diversion courts. They don't want us to double down on mass incarceration and racial injustice. Well, in the last session, lawmakers approved a prison funding compromise that is appropriating money for the design of a potential new prison, but not allowing construction to move forward without further legislative action. A woman who would become Nebraska's first female death row inmate has pleaded for her life with the judges who will sentence her. Bailey Boswell plea came after last week in a hearing where a psychologist testified that she was abused and trafficked for sex by a former boyfriend. Three days of testimony over whether Boswell should be sentenced to death or life in prison wrapped up Friday before a three-judge panel. Excuse me, a 19-year-old woman was fatally shot early uh, over the weekend and four others wounded Sunday at a parking lot in North Omaha. Police say Jasmine Washington was found suffering from gunshot wounds and taken to a hospital where she later died. The Omaha World Herald reports four other people were also injured by gunfire, but none of those injuries were believed to be life-threatening. It was the second deadly shooting in two days. 18-year-old Travell Mountain died at a local Omaha hospital after he was found Saturday in Levi Carter Park suffering from gunshot wounds. And that's an update on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Dave Schroeder. Sale. Rotational grazing of livestock offers several benefits. More forage, more pasture plant diversity, longer grazing time, among others. But there's also some challenges. 
On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. Jack Keating is the founder of Corral Technologies. Corral offers virtual fencing technologies to help farmers and ranchers save on materials, labor, and time while adopting more rotational grazing technologies onto their operations. We're joined in studio now with Jack. Jack, I want to start from the beginning here of talking about how you came up with this concept. Yeah, so my family owns a ranch out in northern Nebraska, so growing up around um, you know, cattle and ranching, I learned there's a lot of different things, you know, from fencing to moving cows that is not the most efficient way. And I thought, you know what, there's got to be a better way um, to do this, to increase profitability of ranches and to just live, make ranchers live easier lives. So that's kind of thought, what's the best way to do that? And I think this virtual fencing um, is the best way to help the ranchers. So how does a virtual fence work? Bring us through uh, how this is looking, uh, you know, how, how can you move cattle uh, virtually? Yeah, so the cows will be wearing a collar system, and that will give stimulation um, in the form of sound and shock. It's very similar to that of like an invisible dog fence, but instead of having to bury those lines, they'll actually go into our software and be able to draw all their pastures that they need. So at the click of a couple buttons, they'll be able to create a pasture instead of going out there and spending days, um, you know, fixing fence, putting in temporary fence and doing all that stuff. So with those boundaries created, the cows know where they're at in relation to those boundaries, and they'll be confined in there. You can move them between those boundaries and, you know, track where they've been. So where are you at in the process of creating this technology? So we're still in the development process right now. We're hoping to, uh, you know, build out some testing products in the next couple of weeks and then hopefully start a pilot program this fall uh, for ranchers in Nebraska. Talk about some of the biggest challenges you faced when uh, brainstorming this idea and now in the design and soon to be the pilot uh, pilot side of this project. Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of different pro- problems that I've faced so far. Um, you know, with a hardware product, it's there's constantly new issues that come up. Uh, you know, you got to conserve battery life as long as possible so it lasts longer. There's just different components that go in. So I think the hardware um, programming and development has been one of the hardest issues. I uh, don't know a ton about this space, so forgive my naiveness with this question. Is there a lot of competition in, in developing this kind of rotational grazing software at this time? So there's three other companies working on a similar system um, across the world. One is oh, there's only one in the U.S., and that's uh, Vince. They're out in California, but nothing's really commercially available yet. And so that's where you know that needs to change, and we need to get these products out to the ranchers so they can get help as soon as possible. You mentioned uh, you're, you're designing this product and you're going to be uh, pilot testing it with a few folks uh, here in the very near future. But where do you see this going, uh, you know, beyond just the pilot stage? How soon do you envision this being available to uh, farmers and ranchers? Our goal is uh, to have our first units available by next May. And so we're working diligently to, you know, get that, get that done and finished up. But, um, you know, eventually we hope this is going to be a, a global product. Right. This isn't just a problem that ranchers in Nebraska are having or ranchers in the U.S. are having. This is a problem pretty much around the globe. And um, so our goal is to eventually get to that point. What kind of feedback have you heard from uh, true farmers and ranchers across Nebraska as they hear about this idea? Yeah, it's been it's been interesting uh, talking to ranchers. You know, we've interviewed people from Montana all the way down to southern Texas, you know, ranch sizes from 30 cows to 16,000. So there's a lot of different feedback um, depending on the operation, and for a lot of people that are, um, you know, a lot of people think it's it's great, and some people, you know, they might hang up on you right away, but that's what it is. You know, that's the life of um, basically calling people up and just trying to talk to them. Cold calls. Yep, cold calls. <laughs> all, all the fun. Mm-hmm. 
How do cattle react? You, you mentioned uh, the color, its sound, as well as a little shock. Do I understand that right? How do mm-hmm. they react to that, and, and how do you get them back in the proper boundaries? Yeah, so it was really interesting. Um, you know, when we first started testing this, we actually used basically, you know, dog collars. And so using those, we, we were hoping that, you know, the shock that those dog collars would give off would be enough, and actually it was, it was plenty. And so, like, level four on those shock collars out of seven – we were able to turn them. And so to get them back into the boundaries, you have uh, stimulation devices on each side of the cow, so on the right and left side. So when you are wanting to turn them left, give them stimulation on the right side and um, vice versa to turn them right. And I have to assume, is there Internet technology in there talking to the computer software, or how does that part work? So right now we're using cellular to um, work it out, and eventually we hope that... Either cellular will expand or we'll switch over to satellite once it becomes cheaper because right now those satellite modules are very expensive. Well, this is a fascinating topic, Jack, and I appreciate you coming in to talk to us about this today. Uh, We got connected through the Combine, which is an incubator space here at Nebraska Innovation Campus. Talk about your relationship with them and the boost they've been able to provide for you. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a fairly young guy, not a whole lot of experience in, you know, running a company and what to actually do to run a startup. And so joining the Combine of September last year, it's been extremely helpful, which is giving me kind of a roadmap of what I need to do in order to create the successful company and to move it forward as as quickly as possible. That's great. Jack Keating, the founder of Corral Technologies, joining us in studio. Jack, if people want to learn more about your company and the product you're designing, where can they do so? Yeah, you can go online at corraltech.com. And you can learn about, you know, the features of our product, what we're trying to do, and a little bit more about why we're doing it. Very good, Jack. Appreciate your time. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Bob Brogan with Business Report for Tuesday. Stocks were mostly lower in midday trading as U.S. trading resumed after the Independence Day holiday and investors reassess after last week's record highs. The S&P 500 index was down eight-tenths of a percent. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 1.1 percent and the Nasdaq Composite slipped five-tenths percent. Oil prices pulled back after jumping overnight when talks among members of the OPEC cartel and allied oil-producing countries broke off in the midst of a standoff with the United Arab Emirates over production levels. Growth in the services sector, where most Americans work, slowed in June following tension in May. The Institute for Supply Management saying today its monthly survey of service industries retreated to a reading of 601 following an all-time high reading of 64 in May. Any reading above 50 indicates the sector is expanding. It's the 13th straight month of expansion in the services sector, following a two-month contraction in April and May of last year. Top congressional Democrats are trying to craft legislation financing Biden's multi-trillion dollar agenda of bolstering the economy and helping families, But first, they have to figure out how to satisfy the party's rival moderate and progressive wings. Biden wants to spend roughly $4 trillion for roads and other infrastructure projects and for helping families with programs like health care and child care. Progressives want to spend more than that, moderates less. The owners of restaurants, parks, and retail shops, many of them desperate for workers, 
are sounding an unusual note of gratitude this summer. Thank goodness for teenagers. As the U.S. economy bounds back with unexpected speed from the pandemic recession and customer demand intensifies, high school-age kids are filling jobs that older workers can't or won't. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. KRBN, The River, and Cami want to make you our big 70th anniversary winner. We've gone platinum for the summer of 2021, and you could win a brand new 2020 Ram 3500 dually pickup with a Hillsboro aluminum flatbed. We're celebrating a big year with an even bigger prize, thanks in part to Suretop Angus and Charlay Farnham, Nebraska Land, Kansas Land, and Colorado Land Tire Group, and Central Valley Irrigation in Holdridge, Lexington, and Kearney. We're giving you a lot of ways to register to win, stop by one of the many registration locations across the state. Come see us at a summer event and listen for your chance to call in and register on air. You'll have fun driving this from the pasture to a tailgate outside of memorials. The Nebraska all-around champion Cowgirl had to experience a stretch of not-so-great performances in order to work her way back up to the top. I'm Alex Wojcicki on the World Radio Network. Wacy Day of Sterling, Colorado, who competes in Nebraska, said there was a time in her high school rodeo career where she struggled to compete well. You know, there's so many lessons that rodeo teaches you. You know, you're not always going to do well. You're going to have bad runs. I think once my sister went to college and I didn't really have anyone to push me in the practice pen, especially tying goats, I kind of went through a low spot and, you know, didn't win a lot. But I think it's just working harder, you know, getting through that and just always believing that you can do it and having a good mindset is one of the biggest lessons. So that's exactly what she did. She decided to get her head in the right place and work as hard as she could to climb back to the top, earning the title of Nebraska All-Around Champion Cowgirl. Oh, it's, it's such a great feeling. I mean, it's just all your hard work paying off. I mean, we work for this all year. We go to so many rodeos and... Everyone's just always there helping me, so it was really great just to, you know, win that and and get that. And winning the all-around was an ultimate goal for Wacy. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's the top of all of it to win the all-around for me, and it's what I always wanted to do. Throughout Wacy's rodeo career, she's competed in... Barrels, goats, breakaway, and team roping. And she describes what it takes to earn the title of Nebraska all-around champion cowgirl. Well, you have to be competitive in more than just one event. You have to be pretty strong in two or three. I think it takes, you know, just a really good mental mindset and um, just a lot of confidence and hard work. But Wacy said the hard work isn't over yet. She said that between now and the National High School Finals Rodeo, which will be held July 18th through the 24th in Lincoln, she'll be busy practicing for her performances. I entered a few amateur rodeos over the 4th and Just a lot of practice at home until then. Although Wacy has competed in the National High School Finals Rodeo before, this will be the first year it's in Nebraska. And she said she's excited to compete on home turf. I'm excited that it's in Lincoln and Nebraska gets to host. That's something that's never happened. And I look forward to seeing what Lincoln has for us. I'm, I'm sure it'll be great. Wacy just completed her senior year of high school, and she said for those who are just starting their high school rodeo career. I would say just enjoy it, whether you have a good run or you have a bad run. Um, just always hold yourself to a high standard and 
just enjoy the four years you have in high school because it goes so fast and before you know it you'll be a senior and graduated and just take all the opportunities you can and run with them there's so many great things that high school rodeo offers i would encourage everyone to just be involved and and have fun and Wacy added that even though her high school rodeo career is coming to an end, she still has rodeo in her future. Yeah, so this fall I'm going to Northeastern Junior College in Sterling, and I'm, I'll be on the rodeo team in college rodeo, and I'm majoring in the applied sciences to be a radiology technician. That again is the Nebraska all-around champion cowgirl Wacy Day of Sterling, Colorado, who competes in Nebraska. The National High School Finals Rodeo will be held July 18th through the 24th at the Lancaster Event Center Fairgrounds in Lincoln, and tickets are available at nhsfrlincoln.org. I'm Alex Wojcicki from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. highway use. As we take in on the closing grain futures with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in grain. John, a lot of red on the screen to start off the week. I'm sure not what some were really wanting, but given the rains over the weekend, highly anticipated. Can we get off the floor tomorrow? Unfortunately, we appear to have lost John Payne with Daniel's Ag Marketing. He was joining us here just moments ago. But again, a very negative day on the trade all around. We did get out USDA export sales out. Those actually somewhat of a positive light so far on the day as they were showing some increases for both corn and soybeans inspected for export versus the previous week. Uh, as well, we're getting out the latest estimates for U.S. ethanol production and stocks. A little bit mixed, but expected to stay well over a million barrels per day in U.S. ethanol production as we continue to see multiple weeks of that but with it we'll also see an increase in u.s ethanol stocks that climbed back over the 21 million barrel mark last week we'll see if it continues to try and gain some of that momentum not helping out the grains today is a u.s dollar index that continues to just subtly move higher up 31 ticks now above 92.55 this all on way news tomorrow from the fomc and the federal reserve will they start to back off of their stimulus kind of mean that first industrialized economy in the world to do so following the pandemic if they start to wean and invite a lot of investor money in. They want to be buying it in dollars so that tends to push the U.S. dollar index back up, which is not great for U.S. grain exports, albeit we've already had a very strong grain export year. As well, traders starting to have that further vision looking out to next week where we'll get out the USDA WASDE report. Uh, once we get out the WASDE, that'll start to set the line. What will trend line yields start to look like with the latest estimations for the U.S. and the 21 harvest as well? How much of a carryover could we have and how much could we see uh, other countries wanting to come in and start to buy in some of that supply. Again, we typically talk with John Payne, uh, Daniel's Ag Marketing during this segment. If you would like to reach out to them and check in, it's danielsagmarketing.com. Again, danielsagmarketing.com where you can go and check that out. Do remember though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Again, a very negative opening week trade for the week as we see limit lower on most of the corn contracts as well. Near limit lower down. That's a dollar now 
on the soybeans as they lost quite a bit of ground. And again, heavy losses as for the wheat trade. Most contracts down 30 to 40 cents, almost 45 in some of the Minneapolis spring wheat classes. So really across the board on the low end, if you got away with just a 4% loss in the day, not too bad. A lot of the contracts uh, closer to 5, 6, 7% lower on the day. So taking out a lot of equity to begin off the week, we'll see if recovery can't begin as we start to move throughout the later portions of the week. That is a check here of the closing grain trade on the Rural Radio Network. And that's going to do it for the midday program here today. If you'd like to hear the midday program in its entirety, you can go to krvn.com.